Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The volume. What's up, guys? It's Jason from Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel. Football season is here, and there is no better place to get in on the action than with FanDuel. It's my favorite sports gambling app out there. It's safe, secure, and easy to use. They have exclusive offers, tons of ways to play like spread and money line, over-unders, team totals, same game parlays where you can combine multiple bets from the same game. My favorite feature is that cash-out feature. So if you already feel pretty good about your bet and you're in good shape but you don't want to lose whatever it is based on some stupid thing with garbage time at the end, you can cash out your winnings before the end of the game. Use promo code Jason T and download the FanDuel app today to make every moment more this football season. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, permitted parishes only, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. In Tennessee Redline, Dial 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia.
All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel here at The Volume. Happy Friday, everybody. I hope all of you guys had an amazing week and that you got big plans for the weekend. We're just going to be hitting on three preseason games today. We're going to hit on Pelicans-Bulls, our first time seeing Zion Williamson in over a year. Lakers-Suns, another impressive performance from a Lakers team that a lot of people were pessimistic about going into the season. And then last but not least, Cavaliers Sixers, our first taste of Donovan Mitchell with the Cavs and of James Harden in his revenge tour this year. I'm also going to hit on a couple of your guys' comments from the the YouTube comments from the Victor Wembanyama and Scoot Henderson video yesterday. I really want to work hard this year to get you guys as involved as possible and have more back and forth. We got a lot of plans on that front. I'll keep you guys posted. You guys know the drill before we get started. Subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore Jason LT so you, get, you guys don't miss show announcements. That's also where I drop NBA footage since I'm not allowed to use it here. That's a great place for you guys to see some visual aids for some of the concepts that I talk about on the show. And last but not least, if you miss one of these shows and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish them, you can find them wherever you get your podcasts under Hoops Tonight. So <clears throat> there were two main disagreements that I saw in my uh, Victor Weminyama and Scoot Henderson video yesterday. There were some of you guys that tried to give other examples of legitimate, you know, stretch bigs that were great rim protectors and there were two that were thrown out one that I disagree with and one that I do agree with but I think that Victor is going to be even another level above that so a lot of people threw out Joel Embiid and the reality is is he's just too low volume you know like he does shoot about three three pointers per game and he does shoot in the high 30s right like about 37 38 percent give or take a few depending on the year but the reality is is teams aren't guarding him out there because it's a really low volume. If James Harden and Joel Embiid run a pick and pop, they're conceding that shot to try to take away things in the paint. When guys are closing out on him, they're closing out short, preparing for him to attack that closeout. And the reason why is he's only taken three per game, and he's not exactly lighting you on fire with them. That's three completely wide-open attempts per game that he's barely making over a third of. That's not a real stretch big. Also, when I'm talking about Victor Wembanyama and this concept of being a stretch big and rim protector, I'm talking about it within the role. Obviously, Embiid is 50 times the player that Victor is right now. So is Nikola Jokic. So is Carl Anthony Towns. So are so many of the bigs around the league. But I'm just specifically talking about plugging a player into a role as a rim protector and as a stretch big, a legitimate stretch big that teams would guard on the perimeter and be scared of giving up open shots to. So there was one other uh, one of you guys, a couple of you guys, who mentioned Brooke Lopez. A few years back. Now, his shooting has fallen off of a cliff since this season, so it kind of appears to be some kind of outlier. But a few years back, he averaged over two made threes per game and over two blocks per game. And he was averaging right around, I think, six or seven attempts per game. Most of them were catch and shoot and pretty wide open, but there were some complicated shots in there, a few jab step pull-ups and occasionally some wild step back threes that he would take and make from time to time. Um, so I do think that that's a good example of a legitimate stretch big rim protector that we had in the league a few years ago. But I think that even that, even what we saw from Brooke, I don't think is going to be nearly like what we're going to see from Victor. I think it's going to be the type of movement shooting and running him off of screens and the off the dribble shooting you're going to see from him. I think he's going to run pick inverted pick and roll as the ball handler a lot and elevate into pull up threes. 
I think that what you saw from Brooke that season, that one outlier season that kind of stands out from the rest of his career, I think you're going to see that from Victor every single season of his career, which is why I think he's such a unique prospect. And then the other complaint, several of you guys were asking why I don't include Dwayne Wade and Aunt, uh, uh, Aunt Edwards in the, um, um, in the like small, super athletic guard archetype that we were talking about. And the main reason why is that they're both bigger. And uh, Dwayne Wade is about 6'4", 6'5", with uh, basketball shoes on. And Anthony Edwards is like 6'5", 6'6", with basketball shoes on. And so they have like a, <clears throat> a legitimate presence, a physical presence on the floor. Like Dwayne Wade was routinely operating out of the post um, as a, uh, as a guard when he was in his prime, he was like consistently played significantly above his size as an impact rebounder and shot blocker as a backline defender and things along those lines. Anthony Edwards, I have, I've called him, I've called him like mini LeBron with the way he attacks the rim because he has such an incredible athletic presence going down the lane. These guys that I'm talking about, these, you know, John Morantz and Scoot Henderson and John Wall and Russell Westbrook and all these guys, they're all shorter. And I mean, I think John Wall is the tallest of that group, and I think he's about six four with shoes on. Um, <clears throat> but there's a specific reason why I'm kind of parsing those guys out. Like Dwayne Wade and Anthony Edwards will be able to cons- like Dwayne Wade in his prime could consistently guard bigger wings, and Anthony Edwards, when he gets to where he's going to be as a defensive player, he's going to be able to guard big wings as well. But I sincerely appreciate you guys offering lots of feedback and questions and comments and stuff in the YouTube comments. I'm going to try to make more effort every single day. During our live shows, we'll respond to comments at the end of the show, and then during these shows, I'm going to try better, uh, drop questions, comments, and things like that in the YouTube comments, and I'll address them in the next show that we do. So... Moving on to Pelicans-Bulls. So this was kind of an ass-kicking. The Pelicans really manhandled the Bulls on both ends of the floor. That that roster is loaded, that Pelicans roster. And it's such an interesting combination of ball handling because they have all these guys like C.J. McCollum that can dribble the ball well. Brandon Ingram can dribble the ball well. You know, um, Devontae Graham coming off the bench can dribble the ball well. Uh, um Jose Alvarado can dribble the ball while they've got all this ball handling, but they also have all these big rim pressuring forwards. Like, like obviously uh, Jonas Valanciunas causes a lot of rim pressure just with his presence around the basket. Zion Williamson was just straight up frightening once again. And when he catches the ball on that right kind of like, uh, like high, like it's kind of like baseline uh, extended short corner. He catches there and like he had a play where he just ripped through and Patrick Williams just literally had absolutely no chance. And next thing you know, Zion's hanging on the rim or when he rips through to the left, he just, he doesn't actually need to get separation. If he gets the slightest edge on you, he's so strong and his center of gravity is so low that he's just going to blow through your shoulder and get to where he wants to go. And you, you know, he was driving and kicking to CJ McCollum for wide open shots and Devonte Graham, just a really interesting combination of guys who can apply rim pressure, guys who can handle the basketball and shoot off of the dribble and just overall athleticism everywhere. And so as a result, they generate a ton of rim pressure and they generate a ton of good, high-quality three-point shots. And that's the two most efficient shots in basketball. And I think they're going to be a damn good offensive team as a result of all of that talent. Zion Williamson, 
uh, was actually especially active on the defensive end, trying to make plays at the rim. He had a really nice chase down block and transition. And then when he was in help side, he was really loading up and trying to cause problems around the rim. Still has a long way to go there, but I do appreciate the effort that he's putting in there. And it, and, and it is showing some results. Um, Jackson Hayes, <clears throat> he had a really, really good first shift playing the passing lanes and getting out in transition. He just has these super long steps and super long arms. He made two big plays in transition where I don't know if any other player in the league would have been able to score. Uh, maybe a small handful of players in the league could have scored in those specific situations, like a bad bobbled pass that he tracked down on the right wing and then still just grabbed and took like two long steps to the basket and finished. He had another one where he did like a dramatic kind of uh, pullover dribble over his head and then shot a floater and he made it. Uh, really uh, impactful minutes from him playing off-ball defense and getting out in transition. Devontae Graham, he's had a rough uh, run so far in New Orleans in the last couple years, but he actually... <clears throat> or it might, might even only be one year with Devontae Graham, but uh, uh, his pull-up shooting is a big impact thing, uh, a big impact talent for this particular team. He shot the ball really well last night. Uh, just a really impressive performance from the Pelicans. Again, one preseason game, but I'm really excited about that team and what they could accomplish this year. Um, the Bulls are just clunky and weird. It, their offense is just a weird mix of DeMar DeRozan pump faking as he comes off of screens and Zach Levine taking really difficult three-point shots. They're still way too thin on the front line. I know they brought in Andre Drummond to try to address that, but his fit is clunky. He's got bad hands. He doesn't finish around the rim very well. And he just was getting cooked in transition when the Pelicans really tried to run the floor. So I, I really, I'm just, I'm, not, I, <clears throat> I feel like even in my power rankings at 16, I might have had the Bulls too high. There are a couple of teams there that I might have to consider moving above them if we ever do. Uh, I mean, most of our power rankings this season will probably focus on the top 10, but I think you can safely say that the Raptors are probably better, the Pelicans are probably better. I might have jumped the gun on that one. But again, let's give it a little bit more time. And also I was expecting Lonzo ball to be ready to start the season. All right, let's move on to the Lakers. So this is their second back to back encouraging preseason performance. And I know they lost both games, but their core lineups when the stars were playing one, both matchups, one against a bad, but talented Sacramento Kings team. And then last night or Wednesday night against a very talented Phoenix suns team that has had a psychological hold over this team ever since Anthony Davis pulled his groin in game four of the Western Conference first round series in uh, uh, 2021, they've whooped their ass every single time they've played. And so for them to go out there without Anthony Davis, with a small ball grouping of Wenyan Gabriel with LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Austin Reeves, and Patrick Beverly, for them to go out and play as well as they did is an excellent indicator for this team. I told you guys when we started preseason breakdowns, I care about the preseason. I think it is the best opportunity to build good habits, to build an identity, to build conditioning, to build continuity, to see the way you stack up against other teams. I think it matters. And so to see the Lakers come out and some of it's Darvin Ham, some of it's just them getting a different voice in the locker room and them not wanting to listen to Frank Vogel anymore. A lot of it is effort and focus and just trying to actually be a good defensive team. And then a lot of it is an influx of some better defensive players. Patrick Beverly is a great defensive player. Getting Austin Reeves a little bit more muscular over the summer, that makes him a better defensive player. I want to look at the defensive end from two different angles here. So first of all, Austin Reeves and Patrick Beverly. 
the two of them are, you know, both for undersized because they're both considered undersized for their respective positions. Both of them are are teams that are players that teams love to attack in isolation. Their ability to hold their own in those isolation situations and their ability to fight over the top of ball screens just adds a, a dynamic to the Lakers perimeter defense that they haven't had in uh, in in the last year or so. Um, Austin Reeves in particular is an excellent positional defender. He gives ground. He does not go for the basketball until you expose it as you're going up for a shot. And so, so often you'll see guys put their head down and try to drive past Austin and they're just driving right into his chest and he's just holding his ground, holding his ground. And then you show the basketball and he'll poke it away and, or he'll just wall up and make you make a tough shot over the top. He he got stops on Devin Booker. He got stops on Landry Shamit. He was sliding his feet and playing really solid defense. Patrick Beverly is a more aggressive defender. He's going after the basketball and trying to make you feel uncomfortable. But from the start of this game, the Suns' stars were way less comfortable than usual. And as a result of that, their shot quality was lower, and it set a tone for that game defensively. Every other time the Suns have played the Lakers in the previous year, they come out easy breezy basketball because they just weren't making them feel uncomfortable from the opening tip. The second dynamic here that you're seeing with the Lakers, and last night it was even with their small ball groupings because Wenyan Gabriel and LeBron James were flying around trying to block shots. This team has blocked seven and a half shots per game through the first two preseason games. A lot of Damian Jones, a lot of Wenyan Gabriel, a lot of Anthony Davis, a lot of LeBron James. Because of that, they are building this in unique reputation of a, a perimeter pressure team with their guards like Austin Reeves, Russell Westbrook, and Patrick Beverly that is going to swallow everything up around the rim. Now, they're going to give things up. They've been great defensively in these two games. One major caveat, against the Phoenix Suns' pick and roll, they were offering help out of the strong side wing every single time. So pretend Devin Booker's on the left wing. He's coming over the eight and ball screen. He's getting downhill. Russell Westbrook is guarding Mikhail Bridges, let's say, on the left w- on the right wing. So where the direction that Devin Booker's driving, uh, Bridges is right there. Russ is coming into the elbow to contain that Devin Booker drive, and they're consistently making that swing pass one pass away to a wide open shooter. They did it about six times in that first quarter and only made one of them. That is, for the record, a staple of the Milwaukee Bucks defense and presumably the scheme that Darvin Ham brought with him to the Lakers. They give up threes at the expense of taking everything away at the point of attack and at the paint. It's, it's a concept that can beat you, and it's a concept that, that can beat the other team. If you bait teams into taking those shots and they miss them, like the Suns did last night, you get a good result. You do what the Milwaukee Bucks did to the Celtics in Game 7 and Game 6 last year. They make 40-something threes or whatever they did in the last two games, and you end up getting beat. So there's a, it's a gamble there. But at the very least, they're going to be very good in two specific areas defensively. They're going to be good at the point of attack, and they're going to be good in the paint. That is enough to build a functional defense around, but they're going to have to figure out some way to at least make it a little bit more difficult for these teams to shoot threes, especially in easy kickouts like they do uh, when they're helping out of the strong side like that. Um on the, the other thing that the, I wanted to point out as, as it pertains to the shot blocking, again, seven and a half blocks, that would have led the league last year. I think the, the, lead, the team that led the league had about six and a half blocks per game last year. Again, just two preseason games, but a good indicator of their activity around the rim. Most of this is extra efforts, and you're seeing it from LeBron James, and you're seeing it from Wenyan Gabriel, you're seeing it from Anthony Davis. Seeing a play that you could let happen, 
you could just let him go, but instead saying, no, I'm going to go get this thing. There was a play in transition where Mikhail Bridges ended up getting a, a run out and he had an opportunity at the rim. LeBron could have just let him go, but instead he loaded up and went for the block. It sends, The most important part of that is once you start making those extra effort plays, once you start getting block shots to the tune of seven and a half per game, you start to get in the other team's heads. It gets to the point, and we saw this a ton with the 2020 Lakers. Guys start to start thinking there's shot blockers around them even when there's not. And it makes them feel, again, the, a big key defensive concept that I talk about, comfort. When you make teams feel uncomfortable because they're getting in you at the point of attack and they're flying around trying to block shots at the rim, that right there in and of itself will make stars feel uncomfortable, which makes them less confident when they're rising up into shots, which directly affects shot result. So I really like what I'm seeing so far from the Lakers on the defensive end. Even though it's not perfect, even though they're going to have some work they got to do, I really like what I'm seeing there. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you feeling stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started to see a little more of your scalp? Are you unhappy with your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted, whole-body approach. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, and faster-growing hair with less shedding. Physician-formulated with drug-free ingredients, Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting key root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism through whole-body health. Take their hair wellness quiz at Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes. With Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription, or doctor's visits required. Free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day and you'll see results in three to six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker and healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription. And free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code Hoops. That's H-O-O-P-S. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code Hoops, H-O-O-P-S. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code Hoops. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, the Lakers are making a concerted effort to get out and transition so far in preseason. Once again, last night, LeBron James and Russell Westbrook attacking down the floor when they get stops. Russ had a really nice left-handed finish in transition on the first possession of the game. And then LeBron, 
one of the most ridiculous finishes I've ever seen where he was going along the left side of the rim and extended like he was going to go with his right hand and then basically turned his body and flipped a left-handed spinning shot off the glass. Just a ridiculous shot. The main key there is this is not going to be a good half-court offensive team. They don't shoot the ball well enough. They simply don't. So this is a brute force offense that's going to rely heavily on LeBron James and Anthony Davis generating rim pressure when when things get tight. But as much as they can avoid the half-court the better. Because if they can get out in transition where they're going to be a much better offensive team, let's say 20% of the time, then that buffers and adds and supports your half-court efficiency. I'll give you an example. The 2020 Lakers. That team, according to Cleaning the Glass, was not a very good half-court offense team. But before they went into the bubble, I believe they were fourth. It was either sixth or fourth. Before they went into the bubble, they were a top six offense. In, by offensive rating, even though they were a bad half-court offense. It was because they got out and transitioned so frequently that it bolstered those numbers enough. And the best way to get out and transition is to get stops. And so they're building an identity as a defensive team that prioritizes the point of attack and the rim, and when they get the basketball, they run the damn floor because that's their best opportunity to score. I like the identity that they're building so far, a couple other uh, quick notes that I wanted to hit. Austin Reeves, the ball handler. So uh, we heard a lot about Austin Reeves doing well in early training camp as a primary ball handler. I've always really liked him attacking closeouts, making reads, but I had heard over the summer that he put on a little bit of muscle and that he had been working a ton on his handling and shooting. And I, he, he's flat out turning into a very good second side creator. He's running pick and roll. He's, he's, not an, he's not an excellent athlete, right? But what he's doing is he's playing smart old man basketball at the, uh, at the, uh, as the initiator in pick and roll. He's getting over the top of the screen, getting the defender on his backside, slowing down his dribble, pinning him on his backside, working into the lane. He was drawing fouls yesterday by shooting those little floaters and push shots as the defender's draped on his back. He's consistently making good reads and swing passes out of it. And he's attacking closeouts as well as he does. I, I put an example of one of Austin's closeout attacks in our video, uh, in video form on my Twitter feed. So you guys can find that there. Really like what I'm seeing from Austin Reeves so far. Uh, last note on this game, the Suns continue to have weird negative energy. Now, some of that you got to give the Lakers credit for, for the way they played defensively. But once again, DeAndre Ayton was awful on the defensive end of the floor. Really bad in tape. I shared one specific clip of that on my Twitter feed. You can see that there. Look, I said that the Suns were going to go out and win a ton of games just on the strength of their talent. And it's still early, and there's a long way to go, but through two preseason games, if they come out with this kind of effort, they're just simply going to lose a lot of games this year if they're not careful. All right, before we get out of here, um, Sixers-Cavs. I only watched the first shift of this game, so I'm only going to give you a couple of notes. Uh, On the Cavs front, and when I say first shift, I just watch the starters go against each other for about six minutes each. I, I, I just have a ton of film that I still have to watch, and I haven't gotten to this full game yet. So, um, first of all, they started Karis LeVert. Now, Evan Mobley's dealing with an ankle sprain, so they plugged Kevin Love into the power forward position. We're going to talk about him in a minute because he was awesome, at least in that first shift. But I really thought it was interesting that they put Karis LeVert at small forward. Who knows if that's something that they plan on doing during the regular season or if that was just something they did for this specific preseason lineup. But it's a redundancy in ball handling. They don't need him with Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell on the floor. And he's simply not as good defensively as some of the other wings that they have on the roster. So I thought that was strange. But 
the natural give and take between uh, Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell on the offensive end already looks pretty good. They're actively hunting each other. They're making quick decisions. They're not dribbling the air out of the basketball. There's already a good natural give and take there. That's very encouraging for Cavs fans. Also, um, uh, let's let's do uh, uh, Kevin Love first. Kevin Love is a legitimate knockdown three-point shooter, as you guys all know, and I know this from when I covered him with the Cavs. He... Every single time the Sixers offered help out of his position in this game, Kevin Love made them pay, knocking down shots on the uh, on the wing above the break and in the corner as well. He's got a quick release. He's got a good pump fake that gets people to blow by. I don't necessarily like it the fit necessarily next to Allen um, because I think it'll be I, – I just don't quite think they're fast enough in terms of overall foot speed with that grouping. But I, and, and when they are actually are healthy, you're going to see Evan Mobley next to Allen, but I really like the idea of running a bench lineup with Evan Mobley and Kevin Love, because I think Evan Mobley's overall foot speed will allow them to hang in transition and in five-out settings really well, and Kevin Love just shoots the ball so damn well, it's going to help solve a lot of their spacing concerns, and then you saw a lot of that classic Kevin Love transition passing yesterday as well. I like it as a as a mix-up when spacing becomes an issue to put him next to Mobley and just give you a different look, especially if Mobley develops as a three-point shooter. Uh, last note from the Cavs in this game, Donovan Mitchell from the opening tip decided to guard James Harden. Got up into him, got up into his airspace, made him uncomfortable. Look, this guy got fairly and legitimately criticized for being atrocious on the defensive end last year. One preseason game, wasn't perfect, but I liked, I liked the mentality of him trying to address that concern early in this season. Going over to the Sixers, James Harden, to me, looked about the same. And I say that as a biased person who sincerely believes he's going to have a, a, a bounce-back year. But this is preseason. As I've said, almost all of the players are a little bit slow-legged right now because they're out of shape. They're building up their conditioning. I always refer to it as breaking through the wall. In your preseason conditioning, there's about four weeks where your body is just getting destroyed because you're not used to playing every day to this level of intensity. You're not used to this level of physicality every single day. You're worn out. But right around that fourth week, in this case, basically the end of – if training camp started September 30th, we're talking like second, third week of the regular season is where I'm really going to start looking at athleticism. If James Harden still looks pretty slow in early November – then I'll start to be concerned, but I'm not overly concerned here. He still got into the paint a couple times, made a really nice and one floater, um, uh, drew a foul on a driving layup going left once. He still got some dribble penetration, but still doesn't look like he had the burst that he had a few years ago, but I'm not concerned until about a month from now. Same goes for Joel Embiid, and he's going to be one of the last guys to get his conditioning going, so I'm not worried about his shot shot making as well. Last note from this game, P.J. Tucker. One of my favorite things about P.J. Tucker is he knows what he's good and bad at, and he tries to find ways to impact the game as a result. This guy is not a knockdown shooter, and he struggles to attack closeouts. That's just reality. He had a stretch with the Houston Rockets where he shot corner threes well, but that doesn't appear to be going on anymore. But he does two things that make him an impactful offensive player despite that. One, crashing the offensive glass. He'll just run down the lane and just truck stick somebody to fight for position and go get the basketball. But secondly, off-ball pin screens. So like if they're, uh, if P.J. Tucker's man abandons him out of the corner to go help on a, a drive somewhere, 
and Tobias Harris is on the wing with him, and he's in the corner, rather than just staying there, knowing that if he catches it, he's got a 34% chance or whatever of knocking down that corner three, he will just run and screen Tobias Harris's man, which then gets Tobias Harris a wide-open three. So now, even though the, um, the Cavs, in this case, made a decision to leave P.J. Tucker open, the result is Tobias Harris got open. And that, that off-ball screening, and he did a bunch of this in that first shift, that I wish Russell Westbrook would just watch, a, watch tape of that for a while and ga- gain an understanding of how you can be an impactful off-ball player even when you're not shooting the ball well. And again, I like what I've seen from Russ through two games. He's got a long way to go before I start believing in what he can do. But those are types of little things that will help him be more impactful um, in off-ball situations, especially on the offensive end. I didn't even get to Russ when we were talking to Lakers really quickly, you know, by a little one-minute rule. Um, I thought he was really good in transition on offense. I thought he was really good off-ball in offense, made a couple of threes, attacked closeouts well but he did not do well in primary creation against that Suns set defense, and that's to be expected. He's just not good enough anymore as a primary creator to be able to successfully create good shots against an elite defensive team. But I'm not as concerned about that because I think on this team with Kendrick Nunn, with a healthy LeBron, healthy Anthony Davis, with Patrick Beverly, what he's been doing with the basketball, and with Dennis Schroeder, they're not going to need him to create as much. They need him to defend the hell out of the basketball on and off the ball, They need him to attack in transition. They need him to attack in off-ball situations, driving closeouts, knocking down the occasional corner three. That's where he's going to be an impactful uh, uh, basketball player for this team. If he does all of those things, then he will be a huge plus for this team, and they won't need to trade him. But he needs to demonstrate that he's willing to do those things night in and night out. We're two games in, and he's done a good job, but we've got a long way to go. All right, that is all I have for this week, guys. We're going to take the rest of the weekend off. Monday, we're going to have a show coming out late at night. I'm uh, I'm going to San Diego tomorrow morning, and I'm going to be gone through Monday at about, you know, sometime in the afternoon. But that night, I'm going to watch those games and some games from the weekend. We'll have our first film breakdown of next week coming out on Monday night, and then we'll go back to our normal schedule starting on Tuesday. As always, I sincerely appreciate you guys for supporting the show. Thank you so much. I will see you after the weekend. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.